Love and comfort are yours because of your King who came and who is coming again. The Word of God that I'd like to study with you today will focus on just a few verses from the first reading in Isaiah 40. It's going to be verses 3 through 5, which are also fulfilled in our Gospel reading from Mark chapter 1. Every once in a while, you see some of those statistics that tell you how much time you spend in your life doing a a particular activity. For example, if you sleep about eight hours a night, that's a third of your life that you spend sleeping. And you might find, well, you spend this much percentage of your life brushing your teeth or this much watching TV or this much at work, and you have all these statistics. Have you ever considered how much time you spend in your life preparing. Every day you wake up in the morning and you prepare for the day, right? You take a shower, you brush your teeth, you get dressed, maybe you have coffee or breakfast. You have your routine to get ready for the day. This morning you also likely got up and and prepared to come to church. Maybe that's about the same as every other day or, or maybe you have a different set of clothes that you like to wear for church or a different routine. You're likely prepared for your wedding, if you got married, for months, maybe even longer. You prepare for hours if you're having a guest come over to your house or, or a, a group of guests coming. You clean and you organize and you cook and you put out the food and you get, you get everything ready. How much time have you spent preparing for the coming of Christ? I know you've probably spent time preparing for Christmas, right? You've got your tree up, got your lights out, you've done some shopping, maybe you've even wrapped your presents. At our house, we already have my favorite sugar cookies, we have dipped pretzels, you're welcome to stop by if you'd like, we have chocolate and white chocolate, all great stuff. But that's not the point, is it? How much time have you spent preparing your heart for Christmas and the coming of your King? That's what the Holy Spirit encourages us to do today through both Isaiah's prophecy and its fulfillment in the gospel. There's a voice calling, prepare the way for the Lord. More specifically, prepare your heart for the coming of your king. I don't know if you would have realized it or not, but when Isaiah wrote these words, they were very literal. Back in that day, when the king decided to visit his people, the voices went out, the the heralds went out, and they told the people of the towns or the villages to get ready, literally. Could you imagine if the president or some other king or country diplomat was coming to the little town and village of Winnicani, except before there was a bridge or paved roads, or maybe even a path. That was the reality when the kings came to the villages in Isaiah's day. They were going through deserts and and the wilderness. There might have been trees that had to be chopped down and bushes that had to be pulled to get rid of the animals and and their nests. You had to fill in all of the potholes and and cut down or, or bulldoze or raise any of the hills or mountains. If there was a crooked path, they wanted to to make it straight. And wherever the ground was kind of rocky and rugged, they wanted to make it smooth. It was a lot of preparation to prepare the way for the king. How much more so when we prepare the way for King Jesus, 
He too sends out a herald. It's simply a voice calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. The reality sets in. We're not just preparing for somebody to come visit our house. We're we're not just preparing for some fun and festive event during the season of Advent and Christmas. We're not even preparing for the president or some celebrity or somebody else that deserves our full attention. We are preparing the way for the Lord. We're preparing the way for God, the God Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth. We are preparing the way, not just for some king, but the king of kings and the Lord of lords. We are preparing the way for our Savior to come, not just to our town, not even to our homes only, but into our very hearts. Of course, we don't have to spend time pulling literal trees and bushes or filling in potholes or knocking down hills or mountains, but, but all of that language can apply to our hearts. Without Christ, you could say that our hearts are like a desert wilderness, We certainly would like to think that there's all kinds of good deep down in our hearts. Not my thing, but if you like Hallmark movies, isn't that kind of the point? That deep inside, you can find the special romantic love of your life because of the Christmas spirit. I think that's what they're all about. I don't know. I don't watch them. But that's kind of the the spirit of Christmas, right? That deep in our hearts, there's something good, but the Bible tells us there's nothing there, nothing good. And what is there maybe is more like those trees and bushes and animals. It's just useless growth that all needs to be cleared away. And before we jump right away to sin, maybe we just start with distractions. Are you distracted? during Christmas, it's pretty easy. Especially when a lot of the things that we do during Christmas, they're fun. And I enjoy almost all of them. I don't really like decorating, but it looks good when it's done, doesn't it? I I don't really like shopping, but I certainly do enjoy both giving and receiving gifts. I, I don't really like baking or decorating, but I will eat whatever cookie or candy you might make. My family got to do one of my favorite things on Friday. We, my family's not maybe all in on this as I am, but my favorite thing is to go to Milwaukee to the historic Paps Theater right downtown and watch Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol live and in person. The movies, the, the music, the, the gatherings, it's all a lot of fun, but if we're not careful, It's just a distraction that takes us away from the reality that we are preparing the way for our King, our God, and our Savior to come to our hearts. And then Isaiah said, Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low, the rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. Well, what are the valleys of our hearts? Maybe those are what we call sins of omission. Do you remember that? Sins of commission and omission. Sins of commission, those are the sins you commit, the wrong things that we do. 
Sins of omission are the things we don't do. We actually said that in our confession today. We, we have not done the things we should have done, and we have done the things we should not have done. Well, when we think of sin, I think we often think of doing the wrong thing, but how often don't we fail to do the right thing? Maybe it's because we're in a hurry, and so like the priest and the Levite, we see somebody in need, but we, we just, we go past them, assuming that, well, they probably have a cell phone, or, or somebody else will help them. I actually saw uh, an interesting video yesterday. It was a busy intersection, and a car was just kind of gliding through the intersection, and everybody probably assumed, you know, somebody doesn't know where they're going or what they're doing, and everybody's getting frustrated and upset. One lady jumped out of her car, ran up to the one that's floating, and realized the person inside had a medical emergency, and they weren't driving. They were coasting. But she took the time to stop and help. How often in all of our distracted busyness do we forget simply to fear love and trust in God above all things and to call upon God's name in every trouble and to, to pray, praise, and give thanks for all of the things that are making us so busy? How easy is it when we're busy to despise preaching and God's word? And, and maybe we still get to church, but when we're at home, we we just run out of time or, or energy. How easy is it in our current culture to dishonor, anger, or disrespect our parents, teachers, bosses, or government leaders, and others in authority? How often do we fail to honor God's gifts of marriage and sex in the way that God has designed them? And, and the list goes on. Isaiah said that before our king can come to our hearts, all of those valleys need to be lifted up. All of those potholes need to be filled in. What about the mountains and the hills? On the one hand, we commit sins of omission. We forget to do good things. But on the other hand, how easy is it for Tillis to still assume that we are good people? Now, if I asked you, how do you get to heaven? I'm confident that most, if not all of you would say, like good Lutherans, through faith and not through good works. But do you still ever catch yourself kind of asking God, why did you let this happen? I, I'm one of the good guys. Come on, God. I'm trying so hard. I go to church. I give generously. I'm serving on the committee at church, or I serve on some committee or some other activity in the community. I, I help my number. I mean, I'm doing my best here. Why is life so hard? And, and even though we know it in our heads, deep down in our hearts, we still think that we're good, and we want God to tell us that we're good and, and pat us on the head like good little boys and girls and get rid of the coal in the stocking and fill our lives with all of his blessings. Isaiah said, well, before the king can come, that pride needs to be knocked down. It, it needs to be bulldozed. And finally, he said that the rough ground shall become level and the rugged places a plain. I guess if you had asked me 20 years ago, I'd, I didn't have any rough edges. And then I got married. And then I had kids. And you find out that what pe other people see in your face is 
not always happy and smiley. And, and what other people hear from your voice is not always a calm and gentle tone. And we realize that we really are rough around the edges, even if we're working on it. Once again, Isaiah tells us that before our Savior God King can come into our hearts, every valley must be lifted up, every mountain and hill made low, the, the crooked ways made straight, and the rough ways made smooth. So how exactly do we do that? What does this look like in real life? That's why we need to look at John the Baptist. He is all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, point to him as the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. He is the voice that came calling literally in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And his message was simple, but not necessarily easy. John came preaching a baptism of repentance. Repentance is the key. It, it really is the way that we prepare our hearts for the coming of our king. And repentance begins with the part that we're used to, but we really don't like it. It's, it's confession. It's standing before God and acknowledging that there is nothing good in my heart. God, my heart on its own is a desert wilderness. It's confessing that I have all kinds of valleys that are full of failure. It's confessing that my pride continues to mount up day after day. It's confessing that I know as hard as I've tried, I've got all kinds of rough edges and crooked paths in my life. Lord, save me. Lord, have mercy on me. Now I understand. We do that out loud as a group every week in church. Can I encourage you to do it at home as well? Maybe even out loud as a family. Take a hymnal or buy one and read the confession that we use in church right out of the hymnal or keep it simple. And just join together as a family every day and say, Lord, forgive us for our sins. And then, and then have somebody remind you of God's promise because that's the second part of repentance. It's not just the confessing. It's trusting that God has promised to be the one to fill in the valleys of our failures. God is the one who promised to bulldoze the mountains of pride. God is the one who promised to make the roads straight and the rough edges smooth. And hasn't he done that? And isn't that why we're preparing to celebrate another Christmas? Isaiah said, the glory of the Lord re will be revealed and all mankind will see it together. That started when God sent his only son to become a human child. When the almighty God of the world who made the heavens and the earth and everything. And, and I keep reading that they're always finding like another black hole or another solar system or another planet, whatever's out there. God made all of it. That God became the size of a, what are you, like a pea when you're conceived? The God who needs no one and nothing humbled himself to live in the womb of of a young virgin teenager. 
Isaiah said that the glory of the Lord would be revealed, and, and there was a little glimpse of glory when Jesus was born, and the angels appeared to the shepherds and, and sang glory to God in the highest, but in reality, the rest of Jesus' birth was, was anything but glorious. I mean, born in the stable and wrapped in cloths and laid in a manger, and yet Jesus came to do exactly what God promised. Jesus fills in all of the failures in your life. He never had any potholes or valleys. He never sinned. Jesus offers his perfect and holy life, and it fills in every sin of omission that you have ever left out. And then Jesus suffered and died on a cross and literally bulldozed every hill and mountain of pride or envy or anger or jealousy or any other sins with which we struggle. Jesus, he raised all of them. And, and not only did he give us the spirit to begin making our rough edges smooth, but he paved a perfectly straight and smooth path that leads to heaven. Now granted, it still leads through the grave, but again back out. That little baby is the way and the truth, and the life. He came as our king to fight and conquer our every enemy so that one day we could live with him. Now, when Jesus came the first time, he came for you. And ever since then, he's, become, he's been coming to you. John preached a baptism of repentance. In baptism, Jesus literally came into your heart. He literally washed away all of your sins. He literally clothed you in the robe of his righteousness. He literally picked you up and took you off of the path that leads to hell and put you on the straight and smooth path that leads directly to heaven. And every single time you remember or relive your baptism by repentance, by confessing your sin and trusting in God's promise, Jesus comes again and a little bit more sin is removed and a little bit more faith is inserted. He comes to you in Holy Communion. He, he comes to you in his word. He comes to you over and over and over again so that he might continue to eradicate the sin in your heart, to live in your heart now until that day when he will come again. And as Peter reminded us, he is coming soon. Maybe it seems like we've been waiting for a long time. The Lord's patient with us. He, he doesn't want anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But do not be deceived. The day of the Lord will come like a thief. And every eye, every person on the earth will see Jesus in all of his glory. Remember the trumpet call of God? And the voice of the archangel and the loud command and all the dead will be raised and we will stand before the Lord. And then, the scary part, after the world is destroyed by fire and everything in it, Peter said, we're looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth. I pray that you enjoy all of the fun festivities that are part of Christmas. But don't miss the day. How sad would it be if you listened to every Christmas carol and watched every Christmas movie and ate every Christmas cookie and went to every Christmas party, but you weren't ready when the king came. 
you spend a lot of your time in, in your life preparing for the day, for, for gatherings, for work, for school, for all these things. Let's spend just as much time preparing our hearts for the coming of our King. Because when our King comes, then we will enter into His glory and live with Him forever. Amen.